the idea uh, of uh, investigating technology through uh, a humanistic point of view is something that is very important. Welcome to Construction Disrupted, the ultimate podcast for the construction industry, exploring the limitless possibilities at the dynamic intersection of construction and technology. Wow, that's a mouthful. Delve into the latest topics, news, events, expert insights, and marketing that are shaping the industry right now and in the future. We'll hopefully sprinkle a little bit of humor in there for you as well. I'm your guide, Peter Sumpton, and I run a construction technology marketing agency, Build Different. If you're ready to embrace disruption and unlock the potential of the construction industry, keep on listening and be part of the conversation that's reshaping the future of construction. If you're not, uh, I really wouldn't bother. It's, it's probably not going to be that interesting for you. Whether you're a construction technology professional or just part of the construction industry in general. This podcast is your go-to resource for staying informed, inspired, and of course, connected. Speaking of connected, the best way you can help to support this podcast is by sharing it far and wide and leaving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. Right then, let's go and build different and get disruptive. I've always found architecture to be a bit of a secret society, a bit like marketing in a way. It can be easy from the outside to view it as just creative thoughts and conceptual designs with no science behind them, as the output is so visual. Yep, science is integral to the design and build of, well, everything. As technology becomes more advanced right across the construction space, from the design software we use to create innovative looking buildings to the product development of materials that allow these buildings to become a reality. These changes mean that an architecture's transition from pencil, paper, and ruler to keyboard, mouse, and software have given rise to even more scope to design and build structures that were once only ever classified as futuristic. And the usage of new building materials means that the way these structures are being built physically is also changing. It's important we don't overlook the catalyst for all this change, however. Us. Humans. The societies we live in, the cultures that surround us, and the demands of a new generation mean that the human element within architecture is not forgotten, and we still build to cater for these changing needs and wants. This coexistence the rise of a digitized architectural space and the changing requirements of the generations lead us to multiple questions about how technology is and perhaps will shape the design of future structures, as well as the ever-present humanistic side of architecture. So let's fathom all this out, shall we? Our guest today is Giuseppe Bono, an Italian and British registered architect and computational designer. Giuseppe is the current Associate Director in Computational Design and Emerging Technologies at T.P. Bennett. And that is a mouthful. I think I'll only say that once here. Um, Giuseppe holds a Master's in Architectural Computation 
and architecture and construction engineering. With over 10 years of international experience in the construction industry, from computational design to built realizations, Giuseppe has worked in several countries around the world and has contributed to lectures and international conferences. He's published several papers on the relationship between digital technologies and human progress. And he is the author of the book, Blue Papers, Studies on Digitational Architecture. Giuseppe, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Peter. Thank you. Did I miss anything from that intro? I think it was pretty, pretty accurate, so. <laughs> Fantastic. Right, let's get right into this. I finished that intro talking about uh, the title of your book, uh, Blue Papers. So one thing I want to clear up right at the start, what is digitational architecture? Yeah, um, so the word digitational itself, uh, it's, it doesn't exist, at least to my knowledge, uh, is, a, is a combination of two words, uh, like digital and uh, computational. And, uh, mm -hmm. and, it's, uh, and the reason why I named the book uh, uh, in that way is because uh, the book itself uh, um, is based on, uh, um, uh, on the research that uh, comes from uh, uh, a binary point of view in which looking at the current uh, technological development inside architecture. So from one side, looking at a matter of technological uh, development, as I said, but also on the other side as a sort of human progress. And therefore the two words that I combine, digital and computational, the meaning of it uh, uh, in the book is uh, considered through the human uh, progress point of view. Uh, just to be clear, in a way, in a, a bit like uh, Negroponte did with uh, his seminar book, Being Digital, uh, where uh, he connected um, uh, the technological development um, during the 90s uh, through um, the changes that that, that development uh, was uh, uh, causing uh, inside uh, human perception and how people uh, were also changing their behavior according to that. And computational, uh, the meaning of the word itself, so uh, a series of mathematical uh, calculations uh, to uh, achieve uh, uh, certain results. It's basically attributing, obviously, digital has multiple uh, meaning. Uh, it's basically is converting analogical things into digital formats. Uh, but in this, in the particular case of the book, it was more to highlight uh, uh, the humanistic point of view uh, that is actually a very important part of the book itself. Okay, cool. So when, when we talk about digital architecture and computational architecture, what's the actual difference here? Um, in my point of view, is digital architecture is a kind of contradiction in itself. It's a kind of paradox, okay. if you want, because uh, uh, if we consider digital architecture uh, or the word digital itself uh, as a sort of conversion between uh, uh, of I mean from the analogic world into digital realm it's something that uh, uh, in architectural term it's quite impossible to do it is impossible because obviously architecture manifests itself uh, 
in uh, in a sort of materiality so architecture is material in itself of course we can there are multiple ways again that uh, architecture can be considered as well and someone may argue that can also be an informational architecture which is not necessarily real but uh, um, uh, digital architecture in itself uh, uh, is something that uh, was used maybe uh, a bit back in the days uh, to highlight uh, the technological development that was uh, emerging particularly uh, from the from the 90s onward uh, nowadays uh, is a term that is not used probably quite a lot to describe uh, architecture for uh, the contradiction that uh, I have highlighted uh, um, before. Uh, while on the other hand, the computational uh, computational design, particularly, I, I would say more than architecture, uh, it's something that, uh, uh, for instance, in my daily work, it's uh, um, a central uh, point, like uh, means uh, using computational tools and methods to develop design solution to develop and optimize a design solution okay that i mean that that that's pretty pretty clear i, I love the fact that you see digital architecture as this counterintuitive thing because it's 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 such a, a relaxed way of of saying it uh, and probably yeah. a more uneducated way of of, of, of saying it uh, what i'd like to do now is, is move on to the industry it, it itself and i've just got a, a quote or a paragraph from your book which sets this part of the conversation up nicely the observations highlighted so far in the book that is validate the fact that the contemporary formulation of digital architecture is reaching an impasse for some digital architecture is a sum of technological tools for others a system of advanced methods in both cases the understanding of digital architecture as a historic paradigm shift is still far from completion. And such a delay of understanding represents a significant part of the confusing and slippy, slippery territory in which architecture is currently developed. So all that being said, it, it summarizes what we were talking about quite nicely, really. But as an industry, in terms of architecture, where are we right now? Well, I mean, there is obviously, um, you know, I always tend to, and this is probably something that I should have said in the beginning, in my my view of architecture has always like um, um, double output. So, uh, and that is due to the fact uh, probably of, uh, uh, for me being uh, um, uh, coming from a Latin culture and now working into uh, a more uh, Anglo-Saxon way of thinking. And when I highlight this uh, distinction, I think it's quite important because, uh, uh, particularly, I believe in in Latin culture, have, having experienced both of them, uh, the humanistic part of things. So, um, the idea uh, of uh, investigating technology through uh, a humanistic point of view is something that is very important. While uh, in the Anglo-Saxon uh, uh, way of working, uh, technology is seen more into in, in practical terms. Uh, so, and this uh, dualism uh, is something that, uh, uh, in a way, I always use when I evaluate architecture. So, if I have to evaluate architecture, obviously, according to uh, my personal point of view, through a sort of humanistic point of view, and looking back uh, at history, uh, we see that. Uh, 
uh, architecture has developed quite a lot, quite significantly in the last 50 years. Uh, we went through different uh, uh, periods in different, uh, uh, style is always an ambiguous word, but uh, different approach uh, to consider architecture. We've, we've been after modernism, we went through postmodernism, then there was deconstruction, then uh, non-standard architecture at the beginning of the 21st century, where we were experimented even more with new design, with new design technologies that were coming up. And uh, um, last decade, there was uh, a very strong, uh, um, um, uh, how can I say, uh, introduction inside the discipline of automated systems, so robotics, etc. And now we are in uh, in the age of artificial intelligence. So this is going to affect a lot also how uh, um, uh, architecture, how we design and, uh, and uh, perform architecture at the moment as well. We can see that uh, obviously um, in the last 50 years, we went through a sort of a clusterization of, uh, of architecture itself. So there has been a, a huge amount of pluralism that was uh, possible to reach thanks to the introduction of multiple technologies. The technologies that nowadays we consider disrupted, we consider emerging. We can use any word that we, can, that, that we want, but in reality, they are fragmenting the profession uh, itself. And uh, what we're producing nowadays is obviously affected by a sort of variety uh, that uh, uh, I believe uh, it's, it's very difficult nowadays to answer what is architecture today because uh, it's it's multiple things it's a series of multiple things and since uh, the technological development that we're going through is so important is so crucial for this development uh, if this technological development is so pluralistic also the outcomes that come from it uh, and the way that we use these uh, uh, new technological tools uh, into our design process produce uh, multiple uh, types, if you want to call it types, style, uh, whatever you want to call all architecture. So um, it's very, it's very difficult, uh, I believe nowadays, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, label architecture with uh, a single word. Everything. And I think this is also part of all of the things that I've just said so far is also part of the reason why defining digital architecture or a definition of a digital architecture didn't probably succeed. You, you picked out a, a few things there in, in terms of where the, the industry currently is and, and, and digital and, and the design of, of buildings, which I, I want to come on to next, which will lead us nicely on to looking at materials and how their buildings are actually actually built. But there was a, a Harvard University study called The Limits of Digital Architecture, uh, Interpretation versus Data. And there was a, a sentence in there that said data and information lie on the side of logical consistency, while architecture lies on the side of cultural understanding. If these two concepts are combined, it must have an impact on the design of a building. So with, with that in mind and what we've been talking about, what, where do you see this digitization, if, if I can use that word, in, in how we build buildings? Is it changing the way we actually design buildings or is it just creating efficiencies and all that creativity comes from the culture and, and humans? 
Yeah, I, I think uh, this is actually a very interesting question because uh, I think uh, the more obviously we we dig deep into new disruptive technologies, the more we tend to detach ourselves from the reality. And uh, this technology allows even us to build uh, uh, completely, um, uh, I would say, completely virtual architecture. Like there are uh, at the moment, uh, uh, for instance, uh, uh, also new practices, new, uh, new uh, architectural firms that um, are based on uh, designing inside the metaverse, so inside a virtual environment. And therefore, mm -hmm. uh, this environment, they become obviously an environment where we can experiment the most with this technology, with these new digital technologies. Um, but when we look at the real world, uh, there is certainly uh, a sort of, uh, a certain level of limitations, like limitation that is simply based obviously on, uh, for instance, uh, I don't know, fabrication methods. I mean, we know that mm -hmm. uh, we can design performative building, we can optimize them, we can um, um, make use of less material, optimize them structurally, make them more sustainable, and so on and so forth. But uh, obviously, um, uh, converting this, uh, this design, this advanced design, and this optimization procedure into reality is not always easy. Uh, because uh, it requires a certain level, obviously, of uh, um, uh, optimization and efficiency also in the in the uh, construction process, uh, and that's why uh, I believe that uh, that's the, the biggest step that uh, um, um, we still have to make. Uh, because uh, if you consider just one thing, if you consider that obviously in the last uh, 60 years, the, the world population has increased uh, for 4.5 billion. And uh, there are also predictions that say that uh, up to 2050, there would be probably uh, other 2.6 billion people that they will require uh, uh, houses, they will require a place where mm -hmm. to live. Uh, and uh, even nowadays, uh, many of the people that uh, uh, that we have, probably almost half of them, they don't live in suitable conditions. So the challenge of building and building more efficiently, uh, it's uh, it's paramount. And using it, and for this, using uh, technologies is, uh, is crucial because uh, the more you have to build, the more you have to be able to optimize the material that you use and, uh, and also the uh, the construction processes because uh, we know that uh, the construction industry is the most uh, uh, um, you know has has the biggest impact in terms of carbon footprint uh, and in terms of also other sub also other sociological implications such as the fact that uh, it employs also uh, seven percent of the world population uh, and so on and so forth so um, when we in, I mean, when we consider architecture as a sort of social construction, so we, we look at architecture through what architecture is able to build uh, for our society and our communities, uh, I think that uh, uh, the use of uh, uh, technologies, of current technologies, I think is going to be, is going to be imp is important now, but it's going to be even more important uh, in the future where uh, mm. uh, we will need to 
save materials, we will need to use uh, natural resources better than what we did so far. Uh, that, that's interesting. It leads us nicely onto onto a, a similar topic uh, in terms of the the rest of the industry and and the supply chain. You know, architecture is fundamental in the 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 building of the building and how it looks and and the materials. But it's also must be fundamental for having an impact on potentially new materials we need. You know, the the dependent on the design of a building. So what what impacts is architecture having on um, new materials that we we need, or is it the other way around? Are new materials impacting the way we design buildings and 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 do that digitally? Um, there is definitely, um, obviously, uh, particularly uh, from um, uh, how can I say from a uh, manufacturing point of view, uh, there are constantly new products that are coming um, um, mm. into the industry. Uh, I think uh, the driving force of that are obviously sustainability requirements. Uh, there are certain uh, accreditation that has to be uh, that, uh, that the, the new building has to comply with. So there is certainly um, uh, the, uh, I mean, we are developing more and more materials, uh, more uh, efficient materials uh, to use uh, um, inside uh, constructions. How these materials are affecting architecture, I think, I mean, when we talk architecture, probably I'm, I'm talking about architectural design. Uh, there is, uh, I think, personally, the biggest impact, and this is probably my uh, point of view as a uh, uh, as technologist, although I'm probably also, actually not probably, I'm also an architect, but uh, <laughs> uh, at the moment I'm, I'm uh, more focused on uh, uh, the design technology side. I have said the biggest impact uh, is also um, the procedure that uh, uh, you use to uh, optimize these resources. And, uh, and obviously there is, there, I mean, there are very important choices that has to be made uh, in the choosing the right suppliers, uh, in uh, in be um, in consider multiple aspects of uh, uh, of uh, the product that we used, how they have been sourced, uh, any other aspect like the the LCA, the life cycle, the life cycle assessment assessment of uh, uh, of um, uh, of the products uh, is becoming more and more important, and we use them quite a lot also to estimate uh, uh, the carbon footprint uh, of our building mm. uh, but i think personally i mean more than that uh, um, i personally believe that uh, uh, using technologies to uh, optimize uh, the design i think it's is going to make uh, a huge impact particularly uh, on the long term of how we, um, we design our buildings and also keep in mind that uh, uh, we know that we have targets, industry targets set up for uh, a net zero carbon emission by 2030, I think. Uh, some some of the company even that try to do that even by 2025. Uh, there is, uh, um, um, after that, the intention also to, um, to uh, develop uh, even more efficient system uh, for uh, uh, regenerative design. And, and therefore uh, building uh, solutions that uh, are able also to uh, 
produce energy and not only mm. use uh, energy resources. So um, there's a lot of things going on at the moment. That's why I believe that uh, it has a certain impact, going back to your question, it has a certain impact of, uh, um, uh, I mean, on the fact, uh, or in the way that we design buildings, etc. cetera. Uh, but um, uh, it will require further, um, further development, uh, be even more uh, effective in the future. So with these with these stipulations and these targets that we have as 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 an architect is it does that pose challenges is it exciting is it restrictive how, how you know the, the the necessary and required but how how do you see that purely from an architectural point of view I think for me is very very exciting uh because uh this is actually the reason why initially I, uh, I let's say, redirect my career into more design technology rather than architecture. I mean, I started as an architect and uh, mm. doing uh, things that uh, you know architects normally normally do, like uh, producing drawings, going on site, uh, and uh, uh, being involved uh, both with the design at different stages, from concept technical towards construction, and uh, and uh, and so on uh, and uh, i've always found since the beginning of this process uh, uh, kind of frustration because i thought these things could be done better i mean i was wasting a lot of time in doing my task uh, i was uh, wasting probably also a lot of materials uh, because um, by designing in a certain way you obviously use more material and when you go on site you see that this waste become even more uh, mm. when uh, because the design when, when the design is translated into construction in a in a traditional way in, in a traditional process there is also to consider uh, the, the amount of uh, materials that uh, um, that are normally wasted and uh, this has been the driving force for me to actually to change my career into more uh, design technologies like to optimize this uh, uh, this process so to to be involved into, um, or to be even a small part of uh, of uh, um, of uh, you know this system that um, uh, has the main focus to uh, building better and uh, more efficiently. And uh, nowadays, obviously, with multiple technologies that are coming into uh, into the profession, uh, the uh, landscape is far more wide and, uh, and quite complicated as well with the AI or with, uh, as I mentioned before, robotics or virtual environments and so on and so forth. But uh, I think uh, for me uh, and uh, my personal attitude, so the attitude of being curious, of knowing things that I, that I don't know, I believe that uh, all these things that are going on at the moment uh, uh, related to design technologies uh, are very exciting. For me, it's... Um, it's really it's literally the things that that drive my my work daily well so. <laughs> uh, i mean you, you can tell that because one one title uh sorry one chapter in your book is entitled green robotics and that leads me nicely onto construction that will be needed now and in the future every time i i say in the future i very much feel like it's not the future i feel like it's very much present um so firstly 
what is green robotics um, and how will this and other technology impact design? Well, green robotics for many, is, uh, it doesn't exist or, or like it's a kind of a paradox because, uh, the, you know, someone may argue the fact that robotics is not probably very sustainable because you use a lot of probably, you know, resources, you have to use um, uh, a lot of, uh, I mean, building with robots is not always, or building a robot, not with robot, a robot is, is not always the most uh, sustainable uh, approach. Uh, also, I think actually it's interesting, some of the friends of mine actually can <clears throat> are arguing the fact that uh, the complexity of the of this robotic construction are also very difficult to, to access. And therefore, if you consider mm. um, robotic from a, from a sustainable point of view, uh, and, and you consider sustainability as also part of, uh, of uh, accessibility and, um, um, and diversity, uh, in the in the inside the built environment, um, some of them obviously might say that it's very difficult to define robotics something like green. Green, obviously, I mean uh, uh, related to the sustainability issue. Mm -hmm. uh, but some of the examples that I collect there, I think they clarify the fact that uh, what I mean by green robotics uh, means uh, using robotics to make. Uh, the um, the built environment, uh, particularly from the fabrication point of view, more efficient. So <clears throat> there is, yeah. uh, at the moment, and this connects with what I was mentioning before. So using resources in a better way, and you can do that with automated system, with robotic system that uh, uh, are uh, uh, programmed in a way to optimize that. And uh, some of the examples that I'm collecting in the book, they are already doing that, and. Uh, it's uh, it's stunning how through the system, through this uh, robotic fabrication methods, uh, you can uh, even building, uh, um, you know, new constructions, uh, saving uh, even seventy percent of uh, of uh, instance. If if you look at concrete construction, there are even examples where uh, you can build concrete shells, uh, saving even ninety percent of concrete. And you know, if you if you apply all these things on a on a huge scale, like the construction industry, uh, even if you select twenty percent, uh, it's going to be times uh, you know times uh, all all the buildings that we uh, that we that we build. Uh, it's going to be a huge savings and a huge mm -hmm. impact also from a sustainable point of view because we know the concrete is uh, is one of the main uh, uh, is one of the main materials in terms of uh, uh, carbon emission. So. Um, this is just an example, just to say that that's yeah. what I mean by yeah. green robotic. It's not probably it's not like the robots uh, uh, that are uh, <clears throat> that are uh, sustainable. It's uh, what they can, what we can do with them through uh, automated fabrication can allow us to um, to save a lot in terms of uh, uh, natural resources. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. And I think we, we've had a few stop starts in in the construction industry in uh, technology and MMC offsite and 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 the likes, um, but it's it's slowly starting to to come through. I feel with a, a new gen generation coming through that are more digital native than than the current in incumbents. But looking towards the future, 
uh, and I do mean the future now. How far do you think this can go when talking about robotics and things like that? Are we going to see buildings completely designed and then completely built robotically or, or, or automated? Or is that just a step too far? I think uh, you have to consider that, uh, and this is not just uh, something that uh, is related to robotics, but I think in, in general to uh, the current um, technological uh, development, is, uh, is that uh, we are obviously, nowadays we are involved with multiple technologies, and uh, you have to look at them in a sort of, uh, I would say, post-human design ecology. And when I say post-human, I don't mean something that is uh, like where humans are completely excluded, so something that is, uh, you know, only related to machines and etc. But posthumans means we will be more engaged with these technologies up to the point that uh, they will become uh, uh, like a sort of um, our partners into into the into the design of, uh, of new building and into their, their realization of these new buildings. Um, that, I mean, Someone in the past uh, was already like 50 years ago was already uh, understanding that uh, they're gonna be this sort of uh, dualism between an extended designer, uh, which are uh, the human beings, so that use these tools and use these new technologies to design, and also the artificial designer, which is which are these new systems which uh, uh, are uh, uh, helping us to produce this. So. I don't believe that, uh, or at least personally, that uh, when we talk about this technology, uh, this technology will replace, uh, you know, uh, humans. Or uh, I don't share this vision that someone, maybe the most skeptical, uh, think about this. But I certainly think that uh, there will be more and more uh, um, collaborations between uh, between uh, humans and. Uh, what mm. before we consider tools but nowadays they become intelligent tools and uh, and that's obviously uh, will uh, will uh, will require us uh, to to step forward so i don't think uh, i was saying that actually quite recently i don't think it is a call for replacement what we're going through now so we're not going to be replaced by by these technologies but i think it's certainly a call for upgrade so we need to, as a, as a profession, we need to upgrade and be able to understand these technologies uh, and understand the fact that uh, it's not like where we used technology before, maybe, uh, you know, 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, where uh, we use software, uh, we produce uh, uh, outcomes with that in a very mechanical way. Now this technology has a, a higher level of complexity, but also um, that level of complexity uh, requires a different way to assimilate that or to use them, mm. more collaborative than before. So it's more like, so that's why when we use this technology, uh, I think this is particularly important uh, probably nowadays, uh, is that uh, the approach that we, that we use, uh, the design approach, is a kind of bottom-up approach. So we, we as humans, most of the time, we set the inputs, we set the parameters that we want to start the process, and then, uh, and then uh, the the machine does all the calculation and everything, and provide multiple options, multiple uh, or multiple scenarios that we can adapt. In the past, it was different because uh, the design approach was 
top to bottom. So we were basically deciding uh, every step of the way. So uh, to go back to your question, I don't think uh, we have nothing to worry about, to be honest. But certainly, <laughs> we need to we need to um, like upgrade. Like it's, it's something that is yeah. called for, uh, a new uh, uh, specializations inside the profession. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. It's it's, it's interesting when you, you talk about architecture because. Uh, for most people, I would say that when you mention architecture, you think of uh, grand designs and and very different styles uh, and almost bespoke houses or buildings, if you like. Whereas the opposite to that, where there's more efficiencies, uh, and like you rightly said, we need more houses right across the world because a lot of people don't actually live in uh, permanent structures where technology probably leans itself and a lot more efficiencies in that space and creating them very quickly on a more generic platform. There's two completely different sides of architecture there, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, for me, architecture is construction in uh, aesthetic evolution. So this is the aesthetic value is, is what characterize uh, architecture. Uh, but obviously, mm -hmm. this obviously includes a series of implications and that's why even when you put construction and aesthetic inside the same sentence, you start to realize that um, there is a sort of, um, you know, scientific way uh, of uh, looking at architecture, which more like uh, uh, into into the construction system, fabrication, etc. And there is a more aesthetic, a more ethics way of looking at it, mm -hmm. uh, which is come from more humanities. And that's why I think going back to the book, uh, the interconnecting conversations that we're having, uh, that's why I think nowadays uh, we see that, uh, uh, you know, this humanistic point of view is is fading away. So like for some reason, which uh, I don't personally understand, and I don't, because I don't think they're right, there is, there, we give more importance to the to the technological to the technology part uh, rather than mm. uh, um, the humanistic value and the, all the human implications that comes from from this technological development and uh, why i personally believe that uh, i'm still very interested in that part because uh, this is actually what helps me to give a meaning to architecture so to to believe that architecture is not only construction but is construction in aesthetic evolution and therefore Talking about aesthetics uh, is also required, uh, you know, um, discussing about things that, uh, um, you know, they might be obsolete for someone, but I think they're mm -hmm. still very relevant uh, if we want to understand, if we want to give a meaning actually to architecture. I mean, we all know that, uh, you know, the, the most famous sentence probably in history of architecture is that architecture is the spirit of our era. It was Miss Van der Rohe who was saying that. And, uh, if we don't look at architecture in a humanistic point of view, we can understand uh, uh, any spirit of our area because we cannot mm -hmm. uh, understand uh, uh, for what area we are designing. So, um, and you know, and this I think is probably um, my point of view, my personal point of view. 
on this. Fantastic. I think that's a great way to to, to end. Uh, we've come full circle. Started talking about your your book, and and we've ended uh, talking about the whole ethos of uh, of your book and, and and your perspective, which is great. So, the book is called Blue Papers: Studies on Digitational Architecture. It's available on Amazon and and other retailers. I'm guessing. Check it out. It's really interesting. It'll blow your mind in parts and you'll have to read. Well, if you're a layman like me, you'll have to read parts over again, again to understand them. But it is really interesting. So so check it out. The link will be in the show notes. And uh, Giuseppe, thank you so much for um, number one, writing the book and number two, coming on and, and discussing all things uh, digital and architectural. Thank you so much. Thank you, Peter. Thank you for your invitation. And it was great to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day and giving this a listen. If you want to chat further about anything you've heard on today's episode, have a topic or technology you'd like me to cover, or simply want to say, hiya, you'll find me on LinkedIn or through the emails, peter at builddifferent.marketing. Stay disruptive.